Welcome to Meet the Musicians, Fink at the Appelstor Kurfürstendamm. Please welcome our guest moderator, Johnny Häusler. Hey, welcome to the Apple Store Cool First Number. Are you ready to meet the musician? Yeah. I, I didn't hear anything. Are you, are you really ready to meet the musicians? Yeah. Okay. So let's, um, we're going to have a few surprises for you tonight, but um, let's start with a video clip. Before we go further, let's have a look at this. It's you right there, right there in the mirror 
You don't want to hurt yourself, hurt yourself Looking too close Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. <laughs> oh, I applaud first. It's okay. It's okay. Just keep going. Yeah. Hi, man. What's up? Cool. Yes. They're yours. It's lovely. I was going to introduce you with your names, but they just started clapping. Uh, so it's called wait. Finn Greenall and Tim anymore. Thornton, ladies and gentlemen, of Fink. Nice to meet you. Do it Hi. again. <laughs> that was a great clip. We need to talk about that clip as well. Sure. And uh, where it's uh, been done and when and why. But um, <laughs> why? first of all, a hard believer, the new record is a brilliant album. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for making it. Cheers. Are you nervous with putting it out now? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Although I'm, I'm excited because I... I'm, I'm excited. I, it's one of the few records that, I mean, we made it like six months ago mm -hmm. and we still really like it. And that's kind of rare to, <laughs> to still really like a sure. record you made that long ago. So there's nothing so. You, w you would change if you could do it again? Oh, always, oh yeah. We'd, always we'd record bits. the whole thing again. <laughs> yeah. And in another six months, we'd want to do it again. And then when we finish the tour, we want to do it again. That kind of sucks, does it? <laughs> if, you, if you have those uh, months between the record is finished and you want people to hear it, probably. Yeah. And then it's taken ages before it's coming out and you have to do the promo. You told me you've, you've uh, been doing PR now for five weeks. Yeah. So where you been? All over the place, I guess. Yeah, um, crisscross Europe. Yeah, and like I actually well. know, <coughs> with Schoenfeld and Tegel, I actually know like the airports really well. I'm literally <laughs> easy jetting it like every day somewhere. It's it's, it's been madness, but um, you know, promo is like it's crucial because you actually get to learn about your record mm. by talking about it mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah, it's been really interesting to do it and playing kind of acoustic versions of it. You're, it's actually quite good because you you learn things about you know which bits work on the radio and mm. and that helps the live shows as well so 
Um, but we went to um, California as well to do, mm -hmm. a, to do a week of promo out there where we did an actual gig, like a proper kind of dirty, sweaty yeah. gig. That and was great. Uh, and yeah. that, was, that was really, that was nice to get the, you know, to actually play the album properly, you know, um, in front of a crowd. That was really, that felt really good. You know, all these kind of controlled radio environments and stuff, you want to just blast it out. So how did the, the um, now before we talk more about the record, let's talk about this city, because uh, Finn, you live in Berlin now. Yep. Um, I guess you visit quite yeah. often. Yeah. Um, is there any, why did you choose Berlin? I mean, what's the, is there any, you know, why is Berlin such a happening place at the moment? Everybody seems to be wanting to be here. Well, I felt that it didn't have enough hipsters, so I thought, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it needs more DJs and hipsters, so I thought, yeah. More beards. <laughs> more, the beard count was a bit low in Kreuzberg, I thought mm. I'd add to it. Um, well, I had, I had a, when you finish a record, there's this really beautiful moment between there it is, and um, get on tour. In this case, it's festival season, it's the summer, so do the festies. And that's your window to do something interesting. The next two years mm. are just wiped out with touring and, and you know, stuff. So, um, so I could either choose Los Angeles or Amsterdam or London or, mm. or something, but Berlin, I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to live here, like mm. ever since I first came here. And loads of my mates live here and, and, so what about and you? creatives can live, you can live, yeah. it's affordable, it's great. You're yeah. living in London yeah. right now? I'm living in London, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I love London, uh, I have a family, so it's not so easy for okay. me to suddenly go somewhere else. But, um, but it is, Berlin, I, I mean, I've always loved it. I've always felt like I haven't spent enough time here. We come in for a gig and then we leave the next morning and on the drive, on the way out, you look at it and you think, oh yeah, this is pretty awesome, you know, so. Uh, so yeah, I, I do. I do like it. Um, hoping to spend. We, we're playing here in November, so maybe we'll get some time to look around. And then. It's, I think it's three gigs, right? Well, maybe yeah, not sure. two at the moment. Okay, it's going to be <laughs> maybe three. maybe. Three. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get, let's let's get back to the record because uh, Heart Believer. You choose. Um, the, you already worked with Billy Bush, uh, with the producer of the sure, record. Sure. Yeah. And he's he's famous for you know, garbage, yeah. bag, uh, fuss of the people, yeah. mm. uh, lots of other bands. So what's, what's the role of a producer on a Fink record? Because I always imagined you guys just doing it on your own. Well, we did, we did, the, f we did the first one on our own in mm. the Brighton house, yeah. Biscuits for Breakfast. And, um, and then we did the third one on our own in Brighton. Mm -hmm. um, and after that experience, I vowed never to do anything on my own again. Because it's just, it's never ending questions about, is the bass too loud, is the vocals too loud, is the snare too loud, on top of the whole, is the song any good, is the melody right, mm. are the lyrics cool, you know, and it was just too much. And, and when we met Billy to do Perfect Darkness, um, it, the, the, the whole mission statement was just, just record us. We, we've got it all covered, all the songs and everything, we just need someone else to do everything, okay. you know? And the experience was awesome. And, and yeah. Billy brings to the table this kind of Hollywood efficiency of just, w we can do a record in 17 days, mm -hmm. you know, which is so good. And a, a lot of producers work slowly and methodically, and that's really cool. But we, we, we're in mm. a real hurry. Yeah. We want to capture the ideas of that couple of weeks and put it on the record. Is that, is that something that's important for you to be 
fast and efficient in, instead of you know taking ages for a record yeah. or taking months we're, maybe? we're all really impatient the three of us <laughs> so <laughs> we just want to get on to the next thing all the time and also because we play quite acoustic music that could be seen as quite mellow um, I think it's important for it to have a, an urgency mm -hmm. to it as well as mm -hmm. the as well as the mellowness and we all we all really like rock and you know we we have our favorite metal bands as well and which you ones know, even though well system of a down system. is one of the sort <laughs> okay. of um but I'm we getting we, quite heavily into neurosis at the yeah, moment as okay. well but, <clears throat> but because of that you know we like the record to sound big even though we're playing acoustic instruments and you know big and urgent and billy billy helps us and do we, we want to do like capture performances mm. so it's not about perfection it's about take one or take two if, if we can if we i'd say that 80% of the last two records have been take two, you know, okay. complete takes. And Didn't you once say in an interview that even that, that you could imagine yourself just playing music and not even recording it? Something like that? Is well, the recording it's the good bit because you get to just hang out in studios all day and, mm -hmm. and it's such a controlled environment. You, you, you can, you know, especially if you do it in LA, you get up, the weather's beautiful, you go to Starbucks, you go to the studio, you do exactly what you love all day and then you walk home, you go to the bar, and then you go to bed, and you just do that over <laughs> and over again, and it's completely awesome. It's a great life, isn't it's, it? That yeah. is just so awesome. I mean, you know, we, we get enough of the whole rocking out tour bus mm -hmm. lifestyle when we do the tours, and when we do the studio thing, I like get healthy and yeah. like eat salad, and <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's, it's actually kind of, we, we kind of live for it. Actually. I wondered about the process because uh, looking too close, we, we heard the song and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to be about, you know, uh, people looking too much into detail on, them, uh, on their own mm. and, you know, getting lost there, over, over judging themselves. Sure. And uh, does that work for music as well? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's one of the songs on the record, uh, Truth Begins, mm -hmm. which um, is definitely an exercise in not looking too closely because it's scruffy there's things wrong with it there's bits that are, are not very tight but we like we love it because it's kind of the full picture is 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 good um, and if we we could have spent another two days on it sure. just analyzing mm -hmm. everything but you know it wouldn't have made it better I mean, the, the producer had a day off that <coughs> I know you guys haven't heard this track here it's really nice but mm. the producer had a day off that day and we and we had to write this track we always hit the studio m not with a not enough track so we have to write something under the spotlight pressure of studio time mm. and he and in order so that he didn't sort of overproduce it or or whatever we recorded it like live in the room so all the parts are completely connected you can't fix anything you mm. can't change anything and just said you know just tidy it you know do your best with this yeah and he it, was a bit taken aback actually wasn't he? he he was listening to it for the first time going Hmm, how am I going to fix this? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm not, I'm not going to fix it. You know? I also realized we were talking a bit before um, we met here about uh, you know, doing electronic music way back then, uh, doing techno, ambient, whatever. And I realized that, that in Fink's music, there's also a lot of you know, sequential stuff on the guitar, within the drums. Mm. You're not working with electronics, right? No, yep. not kind of sequenced electronics. And no loops or stuff like that. Occasionally we do a loop on stage. Okay. Um, purely because there's only three of us. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, if we need, yeah, we need a bit more coverage, we use a loop. But um, there's nothing kind of, there's no kind of sequenced 
rhythm track that we play along with. I don't really think people would like that if we suddenly pressed yeah, the button. Yeah, turned into the editors or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying that they yeah, do yeah, playback yeah. gigs, but you know, just all of a sudden, ding, 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 yeah. kind of. <laughs> It would be kind yeah. of weird. But I is mean, that is the, the whole? Is the way you play? Is that something that you know draws from electronic music? Sometimes. I yeah. mean, the lack of like the electronic music generation that I was part of in the '90s had no musical um, um, sort of knowledge at all. No, couldn't read music, play instruments. You weren't in the press shots. Um, it was like faceless technology kind of stuff, and. Um, which means that when when people like from that generation pick up a musical instrument, they're applying the same rules as they did when they made house or drum and bass or whatever it was. It's all it's all about um, the rhythm and the hypnosis kind of elements of it. So definitely on the guitar because I'm self-taught mm -hmm. and I come from that background. It, it always starts with like a loop that. Mm is just linear and deep and trance-like, and then the vocals and melodies just as, uh, have to keep that vibe going rather than change it or ruin it or whatever, you know? And, and therefore we're kind of freed up from thinking, oh, I can't use those chords because it's Wonderwall, because I don't know what the chords <laughs> are to Wonderwall, you know? And uh, <laughs> whatever, you know? <laughs> or like, yeah, I mean... And if you do, yeah. you're going to have to pay a lot of money. Yeah. Not for the chords. You can't, you can't own G. For the sequence, maybe. Yeah, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Depending on how you sing over it, I guess. So you, um, you mentioned that, you know, it's uh, the thing sounds mellow, but it still has a lot of energy because you guys like rock music, mm. music as well. Um, I think there's a, a, it's, I like think because it's as tragic as life. Sometimes, you know, you, do you draw energy from drama in life? Drama, drama, baby. Yeah, drama. Yeah. It's all drama, bro. <laughs> Is it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess, I mean, you know, when things happen in, in your life, even if you've got sort of a really good life, it's all relative, you know, something can be kind of really dramatic on that particular day, and it can be something quite small. Um, and you can turn it into a sort of a mini, a mini drama, and then you can turn it in, into a song if you, if you can find the right, the right words for it. You know, I quite like um, that image in, in our song, This is, the, this is the Thing. I quite like the line, um, I was real quiet when I closed the door. I just have this sort of image of like this moment where you sneak out of a room and shut, shut the door. And it's quite, even though that's a tiny little thing, it's sort of quite dramatic. Well, the weird thing about that way. lyric, actually, I remember the door. I, right. like, it's the only thing I remember from that apartment mm. in Highbury, oh, right. is the door from that lyric. Okay. I've got this really good, I've got a terrible memory when it comes to like, what time are we flying to Amsterdam tonight? Yeah. I have no idea. Um, but I can remember like emotional like moments mm -hmm. in a weird way. And so quite often the songwriting comes from like a guitar, uh, like a musical pattern gives you a vibe and, and it will just spark off. Oh, that feels kind of like that vibe that I had over there. And then the song just kind of blossoms out of that. Mm. It's, we don't really sit down and kind of, say, oh, let's write a song about this scenario. I could do a lot of, I've done some pop writing, mm -hmm. and quite often you have to kind of invent a story to have the song, Boy Meets Girl, yeah, 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 yeah. But we'd think we just, we just, we just don't. It's all like, so some songs have got three verses in, and each verse will be from a different moment in, in my life or your mm -hmm. life, but mm -hmm. they'll all be connected by some kind of universal feeling. 
I must give you a compliment, by the way. I think you might probably the first drummer I talked to that actually talks about the lyrics <laughs> of the band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> don't but, have to say about that. Really. But you do... I'm a kind of a wordy drummer. He's a wordy drummer. <laughs> yeah, it's worth, it's worth noting. He's also a novelist as well, so he knows a lot of long words. Yeah. And he can, he can... I know words... You know a lot of long words. Yeah. Three syllables sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 Do you work with comma as well? Yeah. Sometimes. Semicolon. He's a grammar. He's a grammar freak, actually. Whenever we do like a blog i have to send it to tim to Correct. fix because he's like True. you can't say that you can have a comma there you can't that's got a capital and i'm just like dude but yeah i was uh, i was talking about you know i was asking for lyrics and all that because uh, you know people saying uh, you need to be unhappy to be a great artist stuff like that mm. you both don't seem too unhappy uh so it's no, probably what people say is probably i don't wrong. know how long's the interview man i mean you know <laughs> <laughs> Just another two or three hours, God, we're going to so get by. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, talking of social media and all that, I saw you taking pictures for Instagram. Yes. And, uh, for, you know, for Constant. Constantly. Is that something you like, you enjoy? You, you kind of like, like it, actually, yeah. secretly. I don't, don't mind you? bits of it, but it's a bit... Sometimes you keep feeling that you have to sort of say things and then you realise maybe that you're annoying some people by constantly saying things. But... I don't know. Apparently, it's it's sort of interesting, especially photos. I think photos are, are always good because everyone likes to look at something. I mean, it's it's a simple thing, but if you if you put a photo up on social media, it it does so much better than putting a link to a blog or a link to a mm -hmm. another page. People people just like looking at photos. It's, it's a necessary it's evil as well. Yeah, man, it? it's got to be done. Mm. Like if you don't do it, then your management get annoyed and your label get annoyed and you know you don't yeah. do anything you know but do like fans get annoyed if you don't do it no, I don't, I well i don't know if they get annoyed if you don't do it mm. i think they get more annoyed if you don't come and play in their town yeah you know like yeah. like constantly you know we get messages from people saying why why do you not come to azerbaijan yeah. you know well, yeah, literally think, it's crazy yeah. um, so why why <laughs> i don't know it's a, it's a, it's a routing <laughs> routing <issue. laughs> yeah, routing yeah. It's kind of hard, yes. Yeah. Before we switch to the Q&A, which means that you guys can ask questions. Um, so think about your question, um, prepare it, and then I might let you <laughs> ask it. Um, <laughs> one, one last thing for us. Um, you're, um, you're putting out the record on your own label now. Sure. It's uh, recouped with a you know, weird writing. I yep. guess you did that. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it set off all my apostrophe alarms. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how did that come across and can we, uh, uh, can we expect other bands on the label? Or has it got to be a think only label? Well, it's, it's like we, I've had labels in the past, you know, I've had a rock label and a folk label and a dance label and because of the artists, you know, they all failed. And um, except for the <laughs> dance label, funnily enough, which is quite cool. But um, um, for years I thought it was a nightmare to run a record label mm. and like you'd be mad to just spend all that money and, and never get it back. But I don't know, the, it feels kind of good again now. And um, we've been signed to Ninja Tune forever. And it's really super rare that you, that as a band, uh, mm. you, you have a relationship with the music industry that's that long. I mm -hmm. mean, I've seen the A&R guys, kids grow up, you know, and most bands, they have a new A&R guy every two years, a new CEO every, every four years. But uh, the guys that we deal with at Ninja Tune, we've known them since the 90s yeah. so and that's super super rare and we didn't want to 
change that. So in order, but our record, this new Hard Believer record doesn't, it's not really a Ninja Tune record. So the only way to carry on working with Ninja Tune, which was what we really wanted to do, was to have our own label within okay. Ninja Tune. And yeah, we, we're looking at a few others, looking at a few bands, um, a few singer-songwriters. Um, mm. And th the only criteria is that we've got to really like it. That's yeah. it, really. And mm -hmm. and you know, um, and like them as well. As yeah, like them as yeah. No, no spoil sort of artists. Just people who want to, like we, people who want to work. You know, because mm. anyone support. We we, we love doing. Mm. We love working because what we do is we love it, and we do meet a, a quite a few moany artists who are like, oh, it's not fair. You know, yeah, I have to get up today and like, do <laughs> something, and it's like, dude, you should you should want to get up mm -hmm. today and do something. So. Yeah, we're going to sign some artists, yeah. So, let's turn to your questions now. Who's first? Hi there. Hi. 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 Um, you also are from Bristol, mm -hmm. no? Got a uni there. Cool. Nice. <laughs> um, you guys have started doing some performances with classical, like, traditional orchestras. Yeah. Mm. How, is, how did you come about that, and how, does it, how do you think it affects the dynamic of your sound? Did you expect it to go in certain directions or were you quite surprised in the direction it went? What was the reaction like? And do you think you'll do more of it? Well, if we can, we'd love to do more of it, but it's, it's one of those things that it's a sort of once in a band time chance. Yeah. Um, and they always have to ask you, unless you're kind of super loaded and you can afford to hire an orchestra, it always has to come from them. So, uh, so yeah, we, I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the like this, this Concertgebouw Orchestra we did this the Dutch gig with, it's got the word royal before it. That's the level you got to be at to kind of fund mm. it. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. we own this city, so we can afford it. And, and it did affect, when we did this classical concert, we did think after the gig, oh man, our next album's going to be like, you know, symphony based, yeah. uh, you know, opus journeys, and, and we're going to get into like modern classical. And, yeah. But then. But after, oh, you. after you work with a hundred piece symphony orchestra, when, you, when the string parts come in for your track and it's like a four piece chamber orchestra, yeah. you're just kind of like, where's the other 96 people? <laughs> it just sounds really weak. And we did some strings for the record, but they all got cut because after, the, after this epic sort of orchestra night, mm. they all just sound a bit, eh, I, want, <laughs> I want like, Eight cellos now. And tuba, you know? A tuba player. Yeah. It, it, it came. It was quite cool how it came about. The uh, this orchestra, um, they do one night a year um, where they try and appeal to the youth, and their idea of youth is like anyone under 65, sort of, <laughs> really. And and if if you're under 30, you get uh, and you come to this gig, you get to come to any classical gig all year for like 10 euros. It's a really cool deal. Um, so you kind of hybridize between you and the orchestra and then and you mm. like they said to us we don't have a problem selling out this venue we can sell it out every night at 200 euros a ticket all year but we have a problem with a certain type of person yeah coming. we just want to <coughs> we want to get some fresh blood in you know yeah and um and it was and they approached us and and jules the arranger is a friend of, friend of a friend and my friend rang me up and said dude you gotta take this phone call from this guy, you know, but it, I mean, you know, he's a nice guy, it's some orchestra thing, you know, you should, you don't need management to get involved, just, just have a chat to him. And he talked to me and he said, yeah, I'm going to do this orchestra thing, are you kind of up for it? And I'm like, yeah, sounds cool, man. Yeah. yeah. And then he spoke He's got to fantastically casual language about it yeah. as well. Like, let's do, smash the gig and have a beer. <laughs> and like, okay. And then it's the scope. Yeah. 
like that you didn't quite know how big it was going to no, be. No, and then he spoke to management and then our manager was on the phone to me within about half an hour going, dude, this is <laughs> insane. You're not going to believe it. A royal orchestra is going to play Yesterday Was Hard on All of Us and sort yeah. of revolution. It was, it was really, really epic. I mean, we'd love to do it again, but I, I, we kind of all knew when we were playing the gig, it's a once. Mm. It's probably only going to happen once. Yeah. Anyone else? Hi. Hi. Um, what would be your advice for people trying to, well, musicians trying to start their music career? Um, well, number one, yeah. write some decent songs, yeah? yeah. I mean, <laughs> everybody's first record isn't always awesome, and I definitely don't think ours is, you know? There's a couple of decent tracks on it, but there's a lot of learning curve on your first record. And the, my, the lesson that I learned first off, and I've done like, um, like eight albums now or something and is, is finished stuff. So, you know, write stuff and finish stuff because even if you think it sucks tonight, in a two months time, you might listen to, listen to it and go, it, didn't, it doesn't suck, it's actually pretty good mm. or that chorus is wicked, I'm gonna keep that and now I realize that that verse is a bit, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix yeah. it. So yeah, write as much as you can and Definitely. finish as much as you can. Yeah, and also, um, you've got to be prepared for, not everything is going to be amazing, even when you're the size of someone like the Foo Fighters. They're going to have gigs that are rubbish. They're going to have gigs that are amazing, probably in the same week, you know? So it's, it's like nothing, nothing is, I mean, the day after we played with the orchestra, we <laughs> played a very small gig in a very small town. And um, it was, a, I mean, it was a little bit was tricky. It? It was, well, it was in Munster. Munster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything bad about Munster, no, Munster itself. Was great. The, the venue was great, but you know, you're gonna, the highs and the lows are sometimes massively, you know, but you just got to roll with it. You know, some of our mates who've started to break through, people like Ben Howard, who's a good mate of the band, he, um, how he made it was, um, apart from the fact that he wrote some great songs and he, and he sings great and he plays guitar and everything, it was that he did all the support slot stuff. He did all the, yeah. all the, all the long tours he supported. He was doing the rounds as a support band for like two, three years before he put a record out. He toured with us for two tours. Mm. He did Angus and Julia Stone and Xavier Rudd and just gigging your face off. And if you can get out of your territory, that's even, that's even better. Somehow do some gigs in Paris. Mm. Somehow do some singer-songwriter nights and if that's the style of music. And it, it, we're so much luckier over here than in the States because in America, they can't do the singer-songwriter nights until they're 21. And you know what I mean? So they can't do the bars, they can't learn their craft. Yeah. And by the time they get to do a singer-songwriter night, all the Europeans have been doing it for like four years. So, yeah, I mean, and also just get lucky. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just get lucky. Uh, yeah. One more over there, please. Yes, hi. Uh, I want to ask you like how about this change, this switch, what happened between the electronic music, the drum and bass period, and then the folk one. Like, what happened in your mind, and how is it possible that Ninja Tune did follow this? Well, Ninja Tune was famous in the late 90s for like turntablism and electronica stuff. But, and, and I was part of that thing. And, um, and I DJ'd all over the all over the world, and it was great to be paid to party and have fun, you know, in cash. 
and uh, which, which, is, which is awesome. I, I really miss that. Um, and, but you know, you, you, even that gets boring after a while, even, even that. And Jose Gonzalez put out um, Heartbeats on, I uh, put out Veneer, I think the album was called, yeah. on Imperial, and, and everybody heard it and everybody loved it, me included, and all the labels too. And Ninja were like, we, we want a singer-songwriter, but it'll look like we're, you know, zeitgeisting a little bit mm. if, we, if we go and sign some dude. And so when I kind of sort of said, I'm kind of switching into a singer-songwriter, they were overjoyed because, it, because I was already signed on a DJ deal, which is like, I'll buy you lunch, can I have your publishing kind of deal. And, um, and, I was, and so it didn't, uh, they weren't jumping on any kind of fashion thing. It was, I was already there, so mm. they could feel comfortable with it. But um, did, it's okay to, as an artist, have different periods of your life. Mm. It can be violently different as well. Yeah, you've you had a few life-changing gigs as well. I had a few you? awesome gigs that really blew my mind. I saw um, Radiohead do OK Computer, I saw Beck do Golden Age uh, acoustically. Um, I saw System of a Down in London Astoria, which is a tiny venue, which was mind-blowing. And I did honestly just kind of go, man, as a DJ, even my best ever gig ever doesn't come close to the vibe of yeah. these gigs. And these gigs are just like Wednesday night, and then tomorrow they do it again, and then Friday they do it again, and they get this every night, yeah. I get this every weekend and as a, <laughs> I want to be in Radiohead, you know, it's not fair, <laughs> I want to be back, you know, and, and um, yeah, I totally fell in love with the song again. I was really part of that anti-song. I used to come and see Timmy play. Yeah. Timmy was in punk bands and indie bands. With, with Guy, the bass player, yeah. yeah. And he, yeah, he used to come to the gig and he used to say afterwards, I don't understand why you do this. <laughs> why, would you, why would you want to play in this tiny little venue and play, you know, guitar and it's all sweaty and horrible? Yeah, my it? trainers would get ruined in these yeah. venues. It was like, you know, it was grimy. Yeah, yeah. And, and you'd get like 50 quid each and then you'd be lugging if a bass amp into somebody's car and I'd be like, why do you do this? <laughs> this is just madness. Yeah. But now I totally get it. I t I, I, now I get it. Well, I guess we all get it. Totally as well. Nice. So thanks, um, Tim and Finn, for being here. No problem. And um, yeah, thanks for coming, everybody. Yeah, thanks. Heart really Believer is a brilliant record. Go out and get it. Thanks, man. And thanks to all of you. <laughs>